You're listening to Uprising, the Rebuilt Student Podcast. Youth ministry isn't easy, and you don't have much time. That's why this is a car ride's worth of content to help you reimagine, revive, and rebuild youth ministry. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Uprising, the Rebuilt Student Podcast. I'm Allie, your host, joined by Daniel and Kelly. Today in our car rides worth of content, we are continuing the conversation about curriculum and focusing on one key component, the message. But first, what are you guys loving? I am loving Pixar and Finding Nemo. I'm reading Creativity Inc. right now, and um, it just is reminding me that everyone is creative in some way like I used to think only artists and musicians were creative but everyone is creative in some way and um it has reminded me that Finding Nemo is my favorite Pixar movie and I've been watching clips and quoting it I love it so good the Pixar versus Disney always confuses me I still can't get it right like when did Pixar come into the picture you know because like the princesses are all Disney right 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 well, Confu- Pixar is know. like computer animated movies, and those are like cartoons that were like oh. drawn. That's the difference, I think. I don't know. I could be wrong. Pixar's within Disney too. So yeah, I know. That's like why it confuses me. Church of the Nativity or something. Yeah, the but, best. But people will be like, Church "What's your favorite Nativity? Pixar movie?" And I'll say something, and they're like, "That's not Pixar." That's not Pixar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Daniel, what are you loving? I love seeing. This is going to sound really cliche for us, but I love seeing churches rebuilding. Mm. I have a church from where I'm from in Idaho that is trying to get their pastor out here. Shout out to St. Paul's if they're listening. Mm -hmm. And they are just in this process of rebuilding. And it's a really challenging place um, because they have kind of an intersection of different cultures. They have a lot of Hispanic parishioners, Spanish speakers, and then kind of the Anglo population that's been there for a long time. And it's got a school and a very different situation than we have here in Timonium. But they're just in that process. And and we get to walk with them a little bit through it. And I just love seeing it when churches recognize that there's a need for rebuilding and start with mm-hmm. the process wherever that begins. Oh, that's awesome. I love that too. But I what was going to say something different. <laughs> what do you love, Allie? I am loving Baltimore right now. A little controversial Aww, to state that, right? Yeah. I don't know. I know it has its flaws and struggles, but I think it gets a really bad rap. And I live downtown and I have for the past six years and I just love it. I mean, there's more questionable parts of the city as all cities. There's some places that uh, I'm not walking around in. But where I live in the main part of the city, it's just beautiful and it's fun. Like I spent my Saturday just walking around all day to all different parts of the city, stumble upon the Italian festival. And like, you know, it's just a beautiful city. It's really fun. And I think it gets a bad rap. I love Baltimore. More good than bad happening there for you. Absolutely. What's the one thing that somebody should go see if they come visit Baltimore? The aquarium. Allie yeah, would say something different. I love the aquarium. I don't know. Yeah, I don't do any of that Yeah, say stuff. something different. I don't go yeah. to the Inner Harbor really ever. I love Fells Point. I would just say mm-hmm. walk through Fells Point. Mm-hmm. It is just all history and it's cobblestone streets and tons of shops and bars and restaurants. And I just love it. I could hang out there all day. It's just a small little part of the city right on the water. So cute. I love it. Cool. Awesome. 
Well, you are listening to the Baltimore City Podcast with Alex, <laughs> Kelly, and Daniel. Now, what are we talking about today? We are talking about the message. Last week, we introduced creating our own curriculum, and the message is obviously a huge part of that and why the message needs to matter more within your curriculum. So that's what we're talking about today. When we create messages, we try to present something that's timeless Um, but in a dynamic way. So our faith doesn't ever really change. Morality doesn't change, but we need to change the way that we present it. The message doesn't change, but the methods do. And so that's kind of what our messaging process is all about. And we want it all to lead to great small group discussions. We want to leave some tension in our message. We want to leave some questions unresolved so that the teens can process through it when they get to their small group. And that really is true to life, this approach, because as wonderful as our Catholic faith is, and as deep and comprehensive as it is, it doesn't answer every question. If it did, we wouldn't need to have faith. So everything that we do in our programs, from the hangout time when teens first arrive, our large group program, our messaging, it all points toward small group. And the measure of a great message for us isn't that someone compliments us and says it was great or how touched they were, Um, A great measure of a message is if they leave small group and remark on their way out, wow, that was a really good discussion. We want our message to get teens talking, to be asking questions and to explore. So what does a message look like just structurally? What are the nuts and bolts of a message? Well, this is my favorite part because I used to be a teacher and it feels like curriculum writing to me. Um, And I also heard Andy Stanley talk about this very early on when I became a student minister, but um, we'll get into the details of that in a few minutes, but our messages are 10 to 15 minutes long. Um, you know, some other youth ministers really do some long messages. Like Mm -hmm. when Doug Field speaks, he gives like a 30 to 45 minute message to students, but we have found that 10 to 15 minutes is really, um, the max for a really effective message, um, in our setting. We preach our messages in series four to five weeks, at a time so that we can sort of give them little cliffhangers like we're going to talk more about this Mm -hmm. next week and so the conversation can continue throughout a couple weeks we always begin um, our message by recapping the previous message in the series just to remind them what they're what we're talking about it feels like forever that they haven't been here when it's only been a week um, and some of them miss so we recap the previous week and then uh, we start out the message this is andy stanley's uh, communicating for change This is in his book, this kind of funnel method of giving a message. And we write the small group questions in the same way. But at the beginning of the message, we introduce something that everyone has in common. So maybe it's a story um, or something funny or who struggles to finish their homework each night or when's the last time you were nervous about something? Like everybody's nervous. Everybody struggles to finish homework. So it's something we create this common ground um, so that everybody is on board. It's That's your hook at the beginning of the message. And then uh, the next thing you want to do is create some tension um, behind whatever that common ground is. And then, um, well, you can tell a story here. Or you could have told a story at the beginning. Um, you know, Jesus always told stories and uh, we like to tell personal stories about you know ourselves or our family or someone we knew um but we've also we've also kind of made up some stories sometimes or embellished for the point oh yeah creative license yeah our pastor says don't let the truth get in the way of a good story (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and then um, maybe after the story or creating the tension, you can keep reminding them of the tension. Um, and, and Daniel will, will give us an example of this in a minute. Then you present the scripture. So you've created a common ground. Everybody has this in common. And then you present scripture where it says, okay, well, we all have this in common. What does God say about this tension or this problem that we all have? We all worry. And so um, what does God say about us worrying? And so we kind of start to begin to resolve the tension. Well, God says, don't worry about anything. Um, and so we're beginning to resolve the the tension, but it doesn't answer everything because how do you not worry about mm-hmm. anything, right? So then we want to toss it to small group. Okay, well, how do we do this? So we want them to discuss what it means in small group to not worry or to be enough or whatever your topic is that night. And at the end of the message, we give a really challenging and clear directive. We're saying, okay, we all have this in common. We know what God says about it. Now, what are we going to do about it? And so we're going to ask the students to do something about it. Um, read Proverbs 5 this week or pray about it and reflect on what God is telling you or, you know, put this verse in your pocket and look at it every day and or something, some sort of um, application or challenge for the week. And then we would check back in with them the next week. And then they talk, they go into small group and talk more about that challenge. And then at the end of our message, we always pray. We say, let me pray for us. And then that typically for us leads into musical worship. Whew. That's a lot. You do all that in 15 minutes? Yep. It can be done. Wow. So as we've gone along and learned more about messages, especially the last couple of years, and the three of us primarily give the messages for our programs, there are three things that we found that have really helped us to improve our messages. Um, And these are three things that you can take and start doing right away. They don't cost you anything. Um, but they have made dramatic improvements in how we speak to our students. The first one is to develop a point of tension. The second one is rehearsal. And the third one is feedback. And so we'll tell you a little bit more about each of those. So the first one is a point of tension. And like Kelly said, we stole this from Andy Stanley. He's the pastor of North Point Community Church outside of Atlanta. And the tension in your message is usually a question that you don't answer right away, but you present it again and again throughout a message until the crowd is desperate, eating out of your hands. Yes, on the edge of their seat. They want to know so much. And when you lose the tension, you lose the audience. You want to have something that they don't know the answer to, that they're waiting to hear the answer throughout your message. So as an example, during our message series that we did on identity, Kelly did this really well. This was a couple of years ago now. I know. And I still wow. remember this. Not being able to capture. I, I remember the feeling up there. Like, mm-hmm. I knew They I wanted them. to know the answer. So Kelly asked the teens, when will it all be enough? And it was a message on identity. And when she would ask this, she would say, when, when will it be enough? Will it be enough when you lose enough weight? Will it be enough when you have enough friends? When your grades will be high enough? Or your championships will be fulfilling enough? When will you be enough? And she held that tension by sprinkling those questions throughout the message. And about three quarters of the way through, Kelly gave two answers. Either it will never be enough because worldly ambitions can never satisfy you, or it will be enough right now because your identity isn't based on success or failure, but in the redemption that Jesus offers you. 
I have chills. Just and then she walked off the right stage now. and dropped the mic. It was, it was awesome. <laughs> I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I, it really was like a well done. I've not been able to do it since, but it, that message just really lent itself to being able to repeat the tension over and over again. When? When will it be enough? And you mm-hmm. could feel it. Yeah. Yeah. Giving the message, being mm-hmm. in the room. Yeah. You can feel it when there's a good tension there. So our teens really were captivated by it. Mm-hmm. All right. So tension is point number one that helped us improve the message. Rehearsal, point number two. Do you want to talk about rehearsal, Kelly? Yeah, sure. Um, you got to rehearse. And we all, the three of us, like Daniel said, speak the most. We all have different ways of rehearsing. Allie, you're you're a big memorizer. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you just memorize every word of your message? Yep, practice, practice, practice. Yeah, okay. So... Um, we, we all practice on our own. Um, I, we, Daniel and I, I think probably practice with the full text and then a little bit with like just an outline, which you probably do yeah, too. Yeah, I do yeah. that too. Start. Um, and then we practice in the space in which we're going to speak and we time it to make sure that it's not too, too long. Um, and, and just to see if we have to cut something. And so, um, once you practice on your own a bunch of times, then we, we ask each other to sit in and listen. If there's teens around, we ask them to listen. If father white's around, sometimes he'll come in and Mm -hmm. listen. So you're just getting feedback from a lot of different people. Um, practicing in front of a mirror is always a great, I mean, that's a tool for like just speaking in general. Mm -hmm. I've done it a couple of times, but not, not many times. It is good to practice in front of a mirror though. If you don't have anybody to listen to you, it's kind of the next best thing. Right. And um, I've recorded myself on my iPhone many times because sometimes I'm writing a message when I'm in my car. And so I'll just start recording myself and then go back and listen. (laughs) Um, And so you get to a level of comfort with you. This is really good advice from Daniel. Then just leave it alone. Like you can over practice Mm -hmm. because you start to get too accustomed to the words you're saying and you think, well, I could say that better. And I could say more here and and you just start, you know, overthinking it way too much. I remember that uh, in one of, I shared a really emotional, personal story Mm -hmm. for me this past year. And I had to practice a lot because I was moved to too many tears every time I couldn't get through it. So I practiced, practiced, practiced. But at one point I was practicing for you, Kelly, and you said, okay, you got it. Stop because you need that emotion still. Yeah. You can't become numb to it because they need to see that in you. Right. But and you don't want to fake it. No, yeah. exactly. So you can't be sobbing up there, but <laughs> you also want it to be authentic yeah. and then you want them to feel that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. The rehearsal is really a key part of the experience, but you can definitely overdo it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so number one is to have a point of tension. Number two is rehearsal. And then the last part of this that I don't think we did a lot was feedback. Mm -hmm. So, Allie, tell us about your experience with feedback. To some degree, feedback is part of the rehearsal, too. Like Kelly's saying, when you're Mm -hmm. practicing in front of people, and that's when you have time for edits. But this is after the fact. You did it. It's done. We have our Monday meeting, which a couple of our... um, leadership team volunteers come into too and we'll review how we thought that message went and something we like to do here at nativity is ruthlessly evaluate something which is just kind of no hold bars no tiptoeing around feelings or whatever not mean ever but just we're going to be honest and kind of really see how did this go so we focus on how we can make it better and what the speaker did or didn't do well And we just make it about the message, not the person who gave it, not the personal story or whatever that they shared, but just 
the fact of how did the message go? How did the kids react to it? How was their attention level? How was the tension? And going through all those nuts and bolts that we listed out for you guys and seeing how did it really go and evaluating that. And if you want to be a more effective speaker and communicator, one of the best ways is giving yourself feedback by videotaping your message and watching it back. Oh, it's awful. So hard. <laughs> I it's hate it. So Sometimes hard. I start watching myself and back and I'm like, I can't. <laughs> but truly, it, but is, it is a way to get better. It's awkward, but it will force you to grow as a speaker. So try to get through it. Even if you got to take some breaks, stop for a second yeah. and watch five minutes, go back to it. It does. It really puts it in perspective. Um, If you don't have people surrounding you that you can meet with and do that ruthless evaluation, you can always get an email or a survey together of some of the ministers who are watching you, other staff people who were there in the moment, and they can give you some feedback that way. But um, feedback just needs to be based on personal preferences, not on personal preferences. Woo. Like... (laughs) <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not about that, right? It's not about the, the messenger, but it's about the message. It's on whether we're achieving our objectives and the goal of the message and the goal of all those nuts and bolts and how we lay it out. And is it leading to great small group discussions? Is it drawing the teens deeper into their relationship with God and their Catholic faith? And are we speaking relevantly into their world? So you need feedback to make sure you're doing that. So tension... Uh, preparation or rehearsal and feedback three things that have really helped us with our messaging so a win what is a win in messages a win is when a message goes to the small groups and there's a great discussion so this was a little bit unintentional but we did a series in the spring called worst case scenario it was during lent and it was like all these Heavy it was very things. depressing. It was a good series. I mean, I think there were good things to talk about. But we got to the end of it, and the last night was on death. <laughs> and as we were planning it, I mean, you can make that a really heavy message. But we said we need to figure out a way to talk about this where it's it's lighter. And one of the great things about our Christian faith is that we believe death isn't the end. So as sad as it is for us here on earth, we can concentrate on the hope of heaven and what that means for us. So that was kind of what the message was about. And as a little bit of a throw in at the end, I talked about heaven um, just briefly. I mean, it was maybe a paragraph in the whole message, but it was part of the small group discussion. And one of the groups of eighth grade boys came back and their leader said, that was the best discussion that we've ever had. We got talking about heaven and they had all these great questions about it. And we ended up, you know, just having this wonderful discussion yeah my son is in that small group and he asked me like five questions on the way home that night about heaven so talk about a win if your kid's still talking about the message on the drive home that's a big win and his friends were in the car too they were asking questions great that is awesome huge win don't have that every week but yeah nope when you do celebrate it though because that's a good message right there Awesome. Well, join us next time. We'll be talking about working in message series and why we think it works. 